welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question. Does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? My name's Megan. And as always, I'm the wonderful Steve. My name is the great Megan. Megan the Great. The great and powerful Steve. (laughs) (laughs) And today we are rounding out. We ended up kind of theming this month. Yeah, this month was kind of themed, I guess, mysteries, if you want to say that. We did Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Mm -hmm. We then did... Columbo. Columbo. And now Clue. Yeah. Which is interesting because this is one of the movies that, you know, in the 80s, it... I, I don't, we'll get to it when we get to reception. But my guess is, like, it kind of did okay. Yeah. Right? And it, and it, in some sense, it might be a cult movie, but it's not like a, like, Princess Bride became like a cult right. classic, you know. So it's kind of interesting to revisit, like, some of these forgotten movies that aren't necessarily talked about as much. Yeah, I think so. So it'll be really fun today. Before we get to Clue, we, we have, have our non-sponsored Still, I mean, we're waiting. If anyone's out there, hook us up. Well, listen. But our non-sponsored snack review. We do have a Patreon now. That's true. So, I mean, hey. So, if you'd like to sponsor us on Patreon, we're, we did put up uh, our first bonus episode. Was on both Patreon and our regular feed. Yep. Uh, to kind of show people what we're going to be doing. But we are going to have ad-free versions of our episodes. And also... Um, Bonus episodes every month. Starting in March, that stuff will be straight on Patreon. Yep. So our episode for February's Patreon also was some kind of wonderful, not a mystery. No, but it was a Valentine's special. A Valentine's special special love story that one of us found romantic and one of us did not. We won't say who you have to listen. because one of us apparently has a cold black heart. (laughs) Which pumps not blood like the rest of humanity, (laughs) but a thick black substance through their cold, hard veins. And our March Patreon bonus is going to be... Weekend at Bernie's. Weekend at Bernie's, Because instead of St. Patrick's Day, we decided to go with spring break. Last year, we did St. Patrick's Day special with Leprechaun. It did not go well. And so we decided, maybe (laughs) let's switch it around a little bit. Yeah, and spring break is like... (laughs) There are so many, like, 80s, like, summer break, spring break movies. So, um, yeah, so let's get into our non-sponsored snack. Go ahead and try yours, and I will... It is Starburst. Starburst. Since we haven't mentioned it. The fruit candy. And I'm going to give mine a try. Okay, I already ate part of mine. Oh, but speaking of which, Steve, before we get into Starburst. So our bonus episode that is on our regular feed featured Jordan almonds. Mm-hmm. I did not rate them highly. However, later that day, we had no snacks in our house except the Jordan almonds. So I thought, you know what? I'll try them again. I'll give them another shot. Okay. And... What happened when I did that was something that I have been worrying about since we started this podcast. Did you crack a tooth? I sure did. Yeah, we kind of said that it was going to happen with the Jordan Almonds because they were very tough. For the people listening at home, not only did I crack a tooth. Now, it's not painful, but it's just cutting my tongue up real Mm -hmm. badly. Um, Not only did I crack a tooth, but when I tried to call our dentist, they had a water main break because we are recording this in February. Yeah. So, um, I am waiting 
I'm waiting. So let me just let's just let me just straighten this out for myself. Okay. And for the understanding of our audience. Mm -hmm. So we had you. There was Jordan Almonds, which you did not rate highly. No, I didn't like them. Because you did not care for them. No, I didn't. And you even mentioned at the time, I feel like I'm going to break a tooth on these. Yeah, I did. So these are not a good snack. Right. But then later on, you went and chose to eat them. Right. Even though you didn't like them. Yeah. And you broke a tooth. Also, uh, fun fact, I'm not really supposed to eat nuts. <laughs> so this was, on all levels, this was not good. I might have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and also, our dentist is not going to be open at least for another week or two. Like, I so, feel like if you're going to go down a rabbit hole and end up, you know, in, in, in breaking a tooth on a candy... Is is Jordan Almonds the one that you want to? That's the no. one you want to do that on. But I told you that. I, so I have I have issues with my teeth, right? And and every time we do this, I'm very careful. Mm-hmm. I just was not careful enough that time. But I have also before in the past broken it on a blow pop, which we did eat, but I didn't bite into because I because of that. Tooth. Not only did I break my tooth on a blow pop, I got a crown put on, and then. I, about a year later, I ate another blow pop and broke that same tooth. So <laughs> my dentist at the time was like, "How'd you break it this time?" And I had to tell him. And then he looked at me like, "Why?" I'm starting to think that as your husband, the responsible thing for me to do is to put you on a soft food only diet. I mean, that's possible. <laughs> We may be headed in that direction. All right. So Starburst, originally known as Opal Fruit. Which Ooh, I find weird. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, these are kind of like a taffy, like a tangy, mm-hmm. little bit sour taffy that is now made by the Wrigley Company, which is a subsidiary of Mars. And the what's interesting to me about this is they're, they're originally from the UK, 1960, which is shocking to me. They were, they were introduced to the US in 67, okay? Okay. But they they kind of came to the flavors that we know now in 1980. So that might be what maybe they had like a rebranding. So what were the flavors before that? Black currant, lemon, lime, orange, and strawberry. Well, black currant is a British thing, right? So that I could see that being more popular as a British as opposed to the starting cherry. in England anyway. Yeah, to yeah. be honest, I prefer currant than cherry. I'm not, as you know, I'm not a cherry fan. Yeah. Um. But now it's mainly cherry, what's it, cherry, no lemon, lime. strawberry, and orange? Yes. So was, was well, it was lemon-lime. Was it the yellow like our lemon is, or was no, it No, there green? was lemon and lime. Oh, okay, interesting. Not lemon-lime. Like, not like, you know, so Sprite or something. So did they not have like strawberry? Um, they, they had, no, they had strawberry. They had black currant, lemon, lime, orange, strawberry. Okay, so they switched cherry for the black currant and dropped lime. Yes. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And then we had um, some variants. They had like sunshine flavors, tropical kind. They had lemon and lime. Um, be, yeah, actually, you're right. They did combine them at one point to make room for the black currant. And then um, they also had like later on, I don't know if you remember, they had one that what people were like, we only like the cherry and the straw. They had one that was like all red. It was all reds and pinks. Yeah, yeah all red and pink. So they had very berry. They had um, like berries and cream at one point. So okay. a little bit like less soury. Then they had other kinds that were like green apple, watermelon, 
Um, they had sour assortment that was like apple, pineapple, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it has uh, non-vegan gelatin, so not suitable for vegans, unlike some of our other candies have been. Okay. But they are still gluten-free. Um, and I don't, I don't, you know, it's interesting to me because I really thought that this this was later. Like we talked about, you and your brother did for for the Father's Day bonus. You guys did, we did Skittles, Skittles, with Rad, yep. And those really did come out in the eighties, right? Yeah. So this just seems to me, flavor wise, with a little bit of tartness and stuff, it's it seems like more like an eighties candy than like a sixties candy. Okay, if that makes sense. But they did start calling them Starburst because of the space race and all of that being popular. So that's why they. They changed the names. So, did they come over as Opal? Yes. They came over as Opal. And then they were M&M's Fruit Chewies, they were called for a bit, because it's the Mars Company. And, you know, anytime... It's like they'll do this with Oreos. Sometimes they'll have, like, a golden Oreo that's really not an Oreo at all, but because it has the Oreo name, it sells better, right? Okay. So, M&M's Fruit Chewies first, and then later on Starburst, because of the space race and all of that. Um, and I also think it's interesting that they have these in the form of like vines, kind of like Twizzlers. Yeah. Ropes, candy corn, popsicles, gums. Most interestingly, I'm not a huge fan of Starburst. I did have one, but it's not my favorite. But they do have them as candy canes. And as mm-hmm. you know, I don't eat peppermint. So I don't right. eat peppermint candy canes. So a number of years, my mom would get us Starburst candy canes. Okay. Which I, I like, I don't know, something about the flavor with the hard candy as opposed to the chewy. Um, so, yeah, that's it. I was always, I, I know I always saw the Starburst jelly beans as well. Oh, yeah, I forgot about yeah. the jelly beans. And now, just recently, they partnered as an energy drink. Oh, I don't think I like that. Yeah. Um. Uh, it's like one of the energy drink companies, but they have a Starburst flavor. All right. I feel weird about it. I don't know. Well, I mean, some of the energy drinks. Like, have you ever have you ever drank? No. A Red Bull. No, because I drink water only. Yeah, like I do not like Red Bull. Um, okay, you said there that goes like our, donut. There goes our like Red Bull how sponsorship. Are, how is Red Bull ever going to sponsor us? Listen, I do not like Red Bull, but it gives you one because it tastes like sweet tarts and kerosene. Gross. Yeah, and so. They couldn't do worse than making it Starburst flavor, is what I'm yeah. saying. So I like taffy, but I'm not a big fan of sour. And these are not super sour, but they're more tart than I like, okay. typically. So they're not a candy I really go for. They're like, if it was Halloween and like some of my candy was left the second, third, fourth day, I guess I'd eat a Starburst, but mm-hmm. I'd probably trade them to my, for my, with my brother for like M&M's or something. So, I'm going to go with a two. I am giving them a four. Okay. As you know, I'm a fan of fruit candies. Yep. Um, Fast snacks. uh, Skittles is one of my favorites. They ranked a five out of five when we did it. Um, The difference here, and the flavor reminds me a lot of Skittles Mm -hmm. to Starburst. I like that they're chewy. This is the difference between a four and a five. Skittles is a five, Starburst is a four. Skittles... You can play with, 
And if you listen to our Father's I, Day, yeah, we discussed how we used to do Skittles battles to push two against one another and see which one would break first. So they're engaging. And secondly, you can pour them out of the package and put them right in your mouth. You know how speed is an I I- issue with me. Oh. Here, the Starbursts are regular. They're kind of quick, but you still have to unwrap them individually. That's true. My quick Starburst, first of all, disgust is the right word for that. <laughs> For what? <laughs> For what you're describing doing with those skills. You no, said, no. You said disgust, but I hear it as disgust. Like, yes. it's gross. Um, that in high school, we um, tried to be cool by, like, tying cherry stems with our tongues and stuff mm-hmm. like that. There was this, this one girl who was like... I bet people could unwrap a Skittles in their mouth using just their tongue. A Starburst? Or Starburst, yeah. sorry. <clears throat> so we all learned how to do that. And then you know how nerdy I was. Never used that talent in high school. Right. Just just to be clear. <laughs> just to be clear. But, um, yeah, that was like, it was a weird thing in my high school that... They would be like, oh, I can unwrap a Starburst in my mouth using just my can you? And I'm like, that's a weird... The cherry Did you stem realize they were doing difficult. it as like a sexual innuendo? Yeah. Okay, okay. Because I was like 17. Because I know you were also kind of naive a little bit. No, but I wasn't school. like 11 or 12. Right. But I was like, I so I can do it, but I, it wasn't that. It was that I was like, you bite it a little bit and then you just open it with your mouth. It's not difficult. Right. It's not like, tie, if you've tried to tie a cherry stem, that actually is difficult. Mm-hmm. You have to really... You have I to never really tried it, but I knew work. People, yeah. Well, and the only reason I knew for that was because it's in Twin Peaks. Somebody does that, and gotcha. so I practiced because I'm weird like that. Mm-hmm. I also learned to write with my left hand just in case anything happened to my right hand. <laughs> just, on, just on the odd occasion that you should break your well, hand or lose yeah, it Yeah, because, because I'm like, I'm a writer, and, and that was important to me, and I was like, what if yeah. something happens to my hand? I need to be able to write with my now hand. Now you have voice dictation. Well, yeah, but we didn't in, like, you know, 1986. Not back in the day. So, at any rate. Okay, so. Yeah. Three clues. <laughs> That's what we're going with as a clue? <laughs> we both said it at the same time and had not discussed it whatsoever. What is a clue? I feel like, I mean, like a physical clue that you're trying to find in a mystery? Is that what we're going with? I mean, we're stuck with it now. You said it. So, three out of five clues. Whatever that looks like. We're getting really meta now, everybody. If you haven't... Second season, we're opening up a whole new level. I was thinking about the game and what you would call the cards that go in the little envelope. And then I couldn't think of them. And then I tried to think of one of the murder weapons, and I couldn't think of that. And all that came out of my mouth was glue. But you went along with it, so that's where we are in our marriage. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. So... Let's get into Clue. All right. So, a basic overview of Clue. All right. um, For those who've never seen the movie, Mm -hmm. um, is really, you know, the movie came out in 1985, and it was was specifically written based off of the board game. So, you know, the board game is a whodunit board game where everyone is a different character, and you have to figure out who is the actual murderer and what 
what room it happened and with what murder weapon, right? Right, right. So they kind of took that premise and made it into a movie where they were able to give the characters a little bit more background information and more so motive, which is not really discussed in the game, right? Right. And so you have quite a cast, which we'll get into as we talk about the movie a little bit, Hmm. but it's a great cast. Um, It's made as a comedy, and we follow all these characters as they kind of are introduced together at a dinner party, and then people start dying. Yeah. And they're trying to figure out who the murderer is as you are watching it. It's like it's done, it's a comedic film. It's a mystery comedy. Yes. So you are trying to kind of solve the mystery, but you really don't know. And it's done in like the style of like an Agatha Christie 100%. locked room. It's set in nineteen fifty four, so yep. around that time. Right? And there's no, even though there's multiple murders, there's no real gore because right. of the fact that it's a comedy. And yeah. It's and it's almost done in kind of a cozy murder cozy mystery because it's based off a family board game right and yeah and a cozy mystery typically just doesn't have that's that's one of the hallmarks right Right. that it doesn't have gore and usually there's like a an amateur detective kind of at the center of that but that there's no real blood scene that there's no yeah that kind of thing so it's it's funny you mentioned cozy mystery because um when i wrote my my last novel, which was a mystery detective novel, right? Mm-hmm. Somehow it got categorized by one of the sellers, whether Amazon, Bars, whatever it was, kind of mentioned it as a cozy mystery. Yeah. And it's not. It's more of just a detective mystery. And there is but there gore. Is, there is a little bit of gore as far as describing the murder scenes. And one of the reviews was from uh, someone who is obviously a cozy mystery fan. They're like, this is this is a good book, but it is not a cozy mystery. Yeah, she was kind of upset about <laughs> she, that. And it wasn't my fault. It was just categorized wrong a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's just, however, I don't know if that was my fault for how I like or how the I don't know yeah. I don't know because I I put in it, it's probably so I wrote the description for the like the book right. jacket and all that and I'm guessing it's however the publisher however Amazon like picked it up it's just sometimes like, just a wrong keyword is on there yeah you know or something yeah or somebody mentions it as a murder as a cozy mystery yeah. and so it was just kind of I, I, it was an eye opener as to how seriously that was taken by by my mystery there's was done in epistolary form right so it was like transcripts and all that and um (laughs) and there was one reviewer who i think my guess is that my mom had recommended it to her been like oh this is my daughter's book and she put i did not like that it was done in transcripts i did not like that it was um a a a child who was killed at the beginning of the story i did not like that there was so, there were like three or four basically things. everything like about she the did, book. She gave it four stars, but everything that she put on Goodreads was all stuff she didn't like, and it was hilarious. I was like, so basically, she was like, it's well written, but right. I didn't like the format. I didn't like the storyline. I hated the main character, but four stars. Yeah. Um, at any rate, so yeah, we're both big mystery fans. Yeah. Right. So, so let me talk about the game a little bit. Definitely. Um, so the game is Clue in the U.S., but it's Cluedo in the U.K. Interesting. So U.K. candy to go with the U.K. film. That's our tie-in for the candy. I forgot to mention. We're going to try something that 
had a mystery flavor, but couldn't find anything. So, but this is a lot of planning we put into this. Yeah, it was devised in 1943. Okay, but it so it's pretty old. It didn't come out till 49 because you have to get like patents and trademarks and all that, and then the war. Right. There were shortages, so they put kind of a the, a hold on it. But it was first manufactured by Waddington's in the UK, which is a company that makes board games. Okay. And um, it was that that company was started in 1905, so All a while right. back. And then it was bought uh, in the U.S. by Hasbro. Okay. And as Steve said, there is Mr. Body, who we also have in the movie. Yep. And everybody picks a colored um, game piece, and that's their character. Yeah. And so you put cards into an envelope, You, which it, one card is the room, one card is the weapon, and one card is the murderer. There's this great computer game, an old computer game called, like, Inspector Parker, like mm-hmm. Nosy Parker, and... It's a lot like Clue, but it has also motive. Okay. So it'll be like, it was Lawrence in the basement with the poison because of the will. <laughs> like those kind of things. Um, so there's um, there's a couple of different uh, versions of this. I guess there's like a Discover Secrets, which is like kind of a modern spinoff and that kind of thing. And... <clears throat> Sorry. And, um, but yeah, the, the original game, it's interesting. They had a ton more characters. Mr. Brown, Mr. Gold, Mrs. Mrs. Silver. And then they also had a bunch more weapons, like a bomb, a syringe, a shillelagh, which is like a yeah. walking stick. <laughs> yeah, it's like a wooden club. Yeah. <laughs> a, a fireplace poker, axe, poison. So some of the spinoffs have more of these. I kind of like those better. <laughs> yeah. I like that too. I like it was it was Miss Scarlet with the shillelagh. Yeah. In the library. Green mustard with the bomb. <laughs> with the bomb. Um so the other thing is that too there were there were places where people could like make suggestions about that player's character. There are also I've known people who play this game kind of like a murder mystery dinner where like you come dressed as your character and stuff, okay. which I think is kind of fun. And also, it is similar to a little-known American card game, which I guess the guy who invented this, Pratt, um, said was kind of an inspiration, called The King of Hearts Has Five Sons. So I, my guess is that you would take cards and kind of play this with, like, playing cards, right. in a way. Um, but there's also... Um, Here's what he said, anyway. We would congregate in each other's homes for parties on weekends, and we'd play this game called Murder, where guests creep up on each other in corridors, and the victim would shriek and fall on the floor. But we played... Did you ever play that game where you'd come up to somebody and, like, shake their hand and, like, tickle the inside of their palm if you were the murderer? No. So we played this game... In high school, where, and in college too, I think, where you'd come up and everybody would walk around the room shaking hands. This is obviously pre COVID. (laughs) Um, And you'd shake hands, and one person would be the murderer, but you couldn't drop dead while the person was shaking your hand. 
Okay. You had to drop it afterwards. A little bit, yeah. You'd so have, that they couldn't see you with the person. Right. And also, you'd have to, um, if you were the murderer, you don't want to murder everybody that you shake hands with. Right. Right. Then be able to, yeah. So, so that was the game. So then you'd have to try to figure out who it was, you know, until until there were like two people left standing, so to speak. But it was a really fun game. Um, and then, of course, yeah, it was inspired by games like that. And then also the country house mystery, right? Like Miss Marple and not as much Hercule Poirot because usually he's in exotic locations. Right. But Miss Marple is often like in an isolated country house and it's like winter and nobody yeah. can leave. And a, and a lot, but mo- there was a, a, a big surge in that type of detective fiction in the 20s and 30s, especially yeah. in Yeah, and, and into the 40s and 50s as well. So, Steve, can you talk a little bit more about the making of the movie? Give us some fun facts now that we've learned about the game. Definitely. So, as we mentioned before, obviously the movie was based off of the actual game that you just talked about, right? Um, It was originally designed just as it was released in a multiple ending concept. Okay. Because it's a whodunit. Right. Right? Um, And we, and we didn't really haven't mentioned this yet, but it was released... So that there was three different endings, an A, a B, and a C ending. And different theaters got different endings. Oh. So okay. not everyone like and I it was funny because when we watched this one, we saw all three endings. I had only seen one ending in the theater when I was a kid. So it's interesting because I only saw this on VHS. And they probably had all three and endings they had already, all three. right? Yeah. Um so it was already it was it was cre- developed by John Landis, who actually he claimed to have done it as kind of a group endeavor with um, a few other people, one of them being Anthony Perkins, the actor from Psycho. Oh, that would have been awesome. They Well, they were all on the concept development. Gotcha. Oh, okay. okay. So he uh, wasn't, like, going to be watching. Right. In the, I think a lot of them just threw a lot of ideas at the wall because in the end, Jonathan Lynn, who is the director, ended up finishing the script. Okay. Right? So I think they were probably idea guys. Yeah. You know? Um, but then they ended up, there was also a fourth ending that was filmed. Oh, really? Yeah, that Jonathan Lynn ended up scrapping because after he saw it, he was like, no, no, this is not good. And basically the fourth ending was Wadsworth, the butler, killed everyone. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) He decided that he was never a good butler and he was never a good husband, so he would be the best murderer. (laughs) And he poisoned everyone's champagne and they were going to die. Oh, I like that ending so much more. But the police catch him and they put him in a car he steals the police car uh-huh. and is driving down the road getting away. And all of a sudden he looks in the rearview mirror and there's like three police dogs in the back seat that jump him mm. and start tearing him apart. Oh. Yeah. So Not like, as cozy of a mystery yeah. as... <laughs> well, I don't think it shows that. It's like that's where it ends. Right, yeah. Right. Basically, though, he didn't get away with it, even though he thought he did. I would have written it so he got away um, with it. But it just was not, it didn't look good and it wasn't right. well. So he's like, yeah, we can't show that one. So he scrapped yeah. it. There was later kind of, a, there was like a, a tie-in book that was released with the movie. And that did talk about the fourth ending. Oh. Did it, was it like a choose your own adventure kind no, of thing? No, I think it, it was just, just have... like one of those, you know how when sometimes like Star Wars, Avengers, yeah. when they do it, they send like a little book you can watch, like gotcha. kids can get. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting. Yeah. yeah, we talked about the the casting was phenomenal, right? Tim Curry. 
Tim Curry, who is who you think of first off, because he plays Wadsworth the Butler. And I, I almost wanted to say in my memories, like Tim Curry carries this movie, which he does a lot of movies. But then when we rewatched it, I don't think he does. I think you think that because he's kind of the narrator almost. He yeah. moves the action. But there's some great performances by a lot of other very good actors and in this Tim movie. Tim Curry had done Annie by this point. Because that came out, I think, in 81. And he had done... Um, he had done Broadway. And he had obviously done um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, so he... But was, it's before it. He was he was pretty well known, though. And actually, he was the third choice for this role. That's ridiculous. Cause Jonathan Lynn, who was the director, first wanted... Um, Leonard Rossiteer, who was a British actor. Yeah, I don't know him. He was an older British actor. Probably would go with the British butler theme. Yeah, that makes sense. But he passed away before the movie started filming. And so, um, Jonathan Lynn's second choice was Rowan Atkinson, who most of us know Mm -hmm. as Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean, yeah. But the production team and the producers all agreed he wasn't well known well enough yet. What's interesting about that, too, is Mr. Bean doesn't talk. So, I've seen Ron Atkinson in other things, right. but for the most part, yeah. he's... Oh, yeah, he does well voice speaking roles, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the, just the people in charge were like, no one knows him enough. So, yeah. they ended up casting Tim Curry, who does a great job. Yeah, he does a great job. Um, the other big piece was Carrie Fisher was contracted to portray Miss Scarlet. Oh! Um, but she withdrew to enter treatment for drug and alcohol Oh, addiction. that makes sense. So then, which is funny, because then you end up with... Um, Leslie, yeah, she was she was in Leslie and Warren played Miss Scarlet. Leslie and Warren played uh, Cinderella in the musical version of Cinderella. Yeah. Well, Leslie and Warren ended up in Clue as Miss Scarlet. Yeah, because a few months before this, she turned down going up for Kathleen Turner's role in Romancing the Stone. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Which. I'm not not to not not to do any spoilers, but was a much bigger movie than Clue. So you don't. <laughs> it say. would have been a way better. Well, but yeah, but see, this is the thing with casting, though. Would it have been as big of a movie if it didn't have Kathleen Turner? That's true. It was a that was a. Uh, it was a, a career making movie for her. Yeah, it, it really, really was. was, and it was a it was a Michael Douglas Kathleen Turner chem like chemistry. Chemistry. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um. So. So we have the two of them. Also, Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn is Miss White, right? And she's great. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, one of the... A lot lot of people don't realize that there's a speech that she gives near the end of the movie. Yeah. Where she's called out by Wadsworth for killing one of the people. Mm -hmm. And she says, yes, I did it. And then she goes... Because I was filled with this rage. She goes in this speech about fire around her face and how she was consumed by rage. It was completely ad-libbed. Oh, really? She was just supposed to say yes. And a matter of fact, if you rewatch a clip, and I did, uh-huh. Tim Curry cuts her off. Oh, okay. He just runs to another room. She because she literally... And, and Because once I was aware it was improv, I started watching. And you see like Martin Mull and stuff, and their faces are just like... Because she's just going on about this red-hot, intense yeah. anger. The Madeline Kahn, I actually, I mean, she was in Blazing Saddles and she was in Franken. Uh, she was in a lot of Mel Brooks stuff. Yeah. She was um, in History of the World Part One. Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Yep, Blazing Saddles. But she Saddles. also did an amazing job on Saturday Night Live as a guest host. Yeah. And um, twice. And there's, there's very famous sketches that she was in. And that's where I yeah. first realized who she was. You know, it's anyway. funny because we talked about 
in in Princess Bride as well as Scrooge, we talk about how wonderful Carol Kane was. Yeah. And and she kind of reminds me of her a little bit. Yeah, a little bit quirky. Yeah. Yeah. So, any more fun uh, facts? There, no. Well, just wrapping up the casting, right? There was also we can't we can't go without bringing up Martin Mull. Oh yeah. Martin who Mull. played Colonel Mustard? Yeah. Right. Martin Mull was also he's you know super well known actor. He played in tons of stuff. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. He was in. He was in Roseanne. He was in Arrested Development, Two and a Half Men. He did. He this. was also a voice actor in a lot of cartoons. He started out with this show with Fred Willard, and I, it might have even been a Canadian show called Fernwood Tonight. Yep. And it was a pretend. We should watch that sometime for this for this podcast. It was a pretend local cable access show, kind of like Between Two Ferns with Zach Galifianakis, yeah. and I have only caught it a few times on TV. It is hysterically it was, funny. It was a spin-off of another Canadian show he was in called Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Yes! Who, which was Louise Lassiter, who was one of the first people banned from Saturday Night Live. She had a breakdown and couldn't go on the air. And they had to, like, write it out of all of her sketches. Interesting. Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman's a fake soap opera. Yeah. 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 So at any rate... Um, the point being, phenomenal, lots of great, ca- amazing great cast. casts in it, right? Sorry. Yeah. So it was filmed on the sound stages of Paramount. Mm, okay. Right? Um, the set design is credited to Les Gobruge um, and Gene Nalanwas and William B. Majorant, who I don't know many set guys, but it's they did inter- a good job. But they did a great job because I would have thought it was a real house. Well, the shots from the outside were a house... They okay. were a mansion in South Pasadena, California. Mm, okay. All the interior, the ballroom and the outside of the mansion were from Pasadena, California. Okay. All the other rooms and everything were done on a soundstage on, at Paramount. Oh, interesting. Um, but the outside shots even were bolstered um, by matte paintings mm. to make the house look bigger. And actually, it's interesting because when we first saw the opening scene as they're pulling up to the house... I said this is back when they used to do artistic backgrounds because you you could you, I caught the fact that it, it it looked like it had been a matte painting almost. Yeah, that's interesting because usually th- that's something used by Disney in like yeah. the fifties. It was well done, it but was you, very well you done. just has that look to it. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and so yeah, it, that was done, and it's actually they wanted to make sure. It's funny because again, for something that was not a huge budget film, mm-hmm. they wanted to really decorate well, mm-hmm. and so they used all authentic 18th and 19th century furnishings. Oh, um, which were rented or brought in from private collectors, including the estate of Theodore Roosevelt. Oh goodness! <laughs> so all that stuff is not prop. All the furniture is from real 18th and 19th that, century estates. That's why it looks so authentic, yeah. though. That makes a lot of sense. So they really took time to to try to add some detail and texture to this movie. That's interesting. And so that's, I mean, those are kind of some of the the fun facts and some of the interesting pieces behind this. Um, But it was, you know, one of the most interesting things I think about Clue that people remember is the fact that it had those three alternate endings. Yeah, and I can't wait to talk about those. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we'll talk about our memories, and then we'll get into our full review and recap. Awesome. Steve, I found a bunch of shows on streaming networks that we don't have. That's nice, Megan, but you know, we work on a budget, and I'm still waiting for snack companies to sponsor us. So unless you can find a new way to bring in sponsorship, our choices in viewing are limited. 
YouTube is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's why I set up our page on Patreon. People can help support our show and get exclusive access to content. What about all those bonus episodes we got hanging around? So our old bonus episodes are going to go up. And then we're going to have new bonus episodes about once a month once we start season two. We're also going to put ad-free versions of all our regular episodes as well. And pictures of me spread out on a bearskin rug. No. But we are going to be more interactive. We're going to have a poll every month and people can vote for what episode we should do for that season. So basically, we're going to have we're going to continue with our format of cartoon live TV show and movie, but the fourth week in every month we'll get to be listener's choice from Patreon. Exactly. So you the listener are going to help decide what we watch. And all this content is available at each level. So if you want to support us for just a few dollars, we have those. Our first tier, it's really affordable. And if you'd like to help us pay for what we watch. And the snacks we eat. You can donate a few dollars more if you're a big spender. Yeah, exactly. And listen, if you're not comfortable doing Patreon at all, we're still going to do the regular podcast. And you can interact with us on Facebook. I'm only talking to Patreon people. Oh, that's not nice. No, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> Links to subscribe are going to be in the show notes each week and also on our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. Or you could just go to Patreon.com forward slash StopRuiningMyChildhood. All one word. Megan, I don't know what a Patreon is. Oh, no. We're going to have to have a whole other conversation. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, we're back. I'm Steve. I might be Megan. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't decided yet today. Maybe I'll be Miss Scarlet. Well, you know, it's your White. truth. Whoever you want to be. <laughs> Whoever, listen, if I want to be Colonel Mustard. No, I'm, I'm only kidding. married to Megan, though, so if you choose to be someone else. But what if I want to be Mrs. Peacock? Well, I'm not married to Mrs. Peacock. That's true. But I always play um, whatever one's purple. It's Professor Plum, which makes sense. Yeah. Because I'm a professor. Oh, that's it's true. Pro- it's Professor Plum. It's not Mr. or Mrs. So Professor Plum could be a lady. You it could know. go a little, yeah. So, you have any memories about the movie, the game? You know, it is, I, I mean, I played Clue as a child, and it was a game I liked. I guess I've always kind of liked mysteries, right? Yeah. And I liked the whodunit fact of it. I also, for some reason, maybe it's just me as a kid, maybe it's all kids, I liked the fact that, like, the characters were all... Named after colors, kind of. Yeah. You know, like, Colonel Mustard was the yellow piece. Professor Plum was the purple piece, right? Miss Scarlet was the red piece. Um, that was kind of neat, too. And I liked, remember, if you remember, like, with the board game, um, the all the weapons were, like, little metal pieces, almost like Monopoly. Yeah. And so that was kind of neat, too. Um, but, yeah, it just was really kind of a cool thing. I like I like a game that's that makes you think more. I, the thing about Clue is that it does make you think, but... Because of the gameplay, number one, unless you know how to really count cards and you're like Monk, you can't really cheat at it. You can't. But also, it is a game that um, adults and kids can play, which yeah. is which is really nice actually, just because of the like the nature of it, right? Yeah. So it's a I mean it's a process of elimination game really. Yeah. But, but it's well, so I I was a big fan of it. So when the movie came out, of course, I remember it being brought, you know. I remember it being marketed fairly well. Um, and I went and saw it in the theaters. So, 85, I mean, I would have been eight. Mm-hmm. So, I'm still pretty young, but I did see it in the theaters. And again, I remember 
I don't remember there being the three. I don't remember going to the movies and knowing there was three endings because I don't think okay. they really pushed that. So then I remember talking to other people and they're talking about the ending and I'm like, what? <laughs> like I didn't. And then it, you know later on I realized that they that was part of the the thing that they yeah. did right. So, but uh, but I did like it. You know, I I remember laughing. It wasn't one of those movies that I'm going to be honest. I've probably seen it maybe once or twice since I saw it in theaters. I never kept going back to it like you know other movies. Because that's that's the thing we were saying at the beginning of this that it's one of those movies that it it did okay, right? Yeah. It wasn't a huge hit. It didn't become a cult classic. It's not totally forgotten, I don't think. Right. But it is kind of like in the middle. And I don't know yeah. if, if part of that's because I'm a, I'm a storyteller and I like deep story. And w- when I talk a little bit about reception, we'll get into it more. But I will say that some of the criticism was that the plot was sort of thin mm. because well, it's made about a game. And right? also there are a lot of characters. Yeah. And that, I think, is kind of a problem. We can kind of get into when we get into our recap. So my memory of this, I mean, yeah, playing Clue as a kid, uh, the thing about Clue is that sometimes depending on how the the cards fall and the dice and whatever that game can be like 10 minutes long and other times it can take like an hour and a half right. and you kind of just never know going into it which way it's going to come down we have an interesting version of clue at our our house we got a dungeon we have and dragons, a dragons clue themed clue which was really fun to play except we played with my parents who don't know dungeons and dragons and they were really confused it's Even same, though it's still it's the same concept. It's the same. It's the same, same concept, concept. But they were confused by the fact that the characters weren't all humans, right? And they don't know what necessarily elves are. They were like, or "So now what? Now what am I?" And I'm like, it, "You're the purple Pete. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Who cares?" Um, but it was it was a lot of fun. My memory of the movie is that once again, just like we talked about with Top Gun. This was my friend Christine. Uh, she loved this movie and was like, "You have to see this movie." And I think she they had taped it from HBO, maybe where it had, but it did have the three endings. Right. So it was it wasn't in theaters. It was a little bit after. I do not believe that I have seen it any other time but that time. I think that I saw it once, maybe twice with her. Okay. okay. There, the 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 way that the three endings is done mm-hmm. annoys me so much <laughs> and annoyed me as a kid to an incredible degree but of course like you have to know christine was like legitimately a golden child right like blonde hair beautiful smart and super cool okay and i did not want to be weird cynical megan who's like this is bad storytelling and so you're like, i don't like this concept but i'm not gonna say it well and the other thing was too not just that that you know and you you just mentioned it earlier as we were recording um before the break that i saw this when i was in like fourth grade okay my issue at the time was that there's some physical comedy that's funny they do have very snappy dialogue, which I love. Because I was even at that point a big fan of 30s and 40s movies, which I was allowed to watch. This kind of stuff I was not because it's a lot of innuendo. Right. So I didn't get it. There's a lot of it that I didn't get. And so there's things about like the whole... There, one of the characters, we'll get into this when we get into like the recap, but like Miss Scarlet's running a brothel. Yeah. But 
they never exactly say like they call her a madam. I would not have known that word. Right? Well, it's, I mean, it's made in 85, but it's supposed to be in 54 as well. Right. So everything is under the cuff. Right. So that, well, and also, as I said, I watched classic films even as a kid, but I watched like clean classic films as well. You know what I'm saying? So not, (laughs) this is telling you a lot about me for people out there right now. This is not just movies of like the 30s, 40s, 50s. Right. This is Shirley Temple. This is um, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, musicals, like very, very clean. Yeah. Very white also, to be honest. A lot of, there's not a lot of diversity in those movies either. Right. But very, very clean movies. So it's not like I was watching Hitchcock. Right. You know what I mean? Um, not until a little later, at least. Anyway. Um, yeah, so some of those movies, like in the 50s, would have innuendo, but I wasn't watching, like, come up and see me sometime. And, right. Oh, you know how to whistle, don't you? Put your lips together and blow. That's not what I was... Right. That's not what was coming into my head. So, yeah, so I didn't really get the humor, and the endings annoyed me because there's a lot of repetition, and it's kind of like a chase scene, yeah. in a way. But it, it hit differently this time. I will say that. It hit differently this time. So let's get into the movie. Okay. So... Steve, it's 1954. It is. Everybody's from Washington, D.C., but we're seemingly in New England. <laughs> yes. In an old... Shot in Pasadena, California. <laughs> yeah, shot in Pasadena, but really meant to be like Vermont. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, maybe Massachusetts. We're in a mansion. And we have Wadsworth, the butler. Yep. And Yvette, the maid, who is wearing what I would call in my notes... An inappropriate outfit. <laughs> it's a very short French made, like fetish yeah. dress. And see what I, what I put in my notes was appropriately dressed mm-hmm. as a maid. I knew she was a maid right away. No, I and know. I knew she was French as well. Stop. To me, that's like it's using a stereotype, but to a good extent. Yeah, and we have Wadsworth come in, and there are barking dogs, and he throws them some meat. Yes. And then he kind of fumbles a little bit, and so you kind of get the the feeling of the movie. That it's yeah. going to be a little humorous, that it's going to be a little mysterious. This is the thing, the first thing that pops up is that as he's doing that, he he steps in dog poop. <laughs> yes, that's okay? it. Okay, and, then, they and all... then he has to scrape it off, and then he comes in. Kind of, I mean, it's a cheap gag, but kind of a funny gag, right? Yeah. It went on too long. It did. It involved like three other characters for the next ten minutes, like noticing sniffing. or sniffing. Like there's dog. If you're gonna make a bot like a like a cheap, easy dog poop gag or like yeah. a fart gag, just do it and get it over Quick with. Out. Don't keep pulling there. It, it went on too long. What I did like is that as people begin coming in, um, the first person arrives and he's like, oh. He says, oh, Colonel Mustard. And he goes, well, I'm actually Colonel. And Wadsworth goes, no, no. No, no. Just pseudonyms. Yeah, just the pseudonym all, that you've been given. You go by your, yeah, so no one knows what their Nobody will know are. what your real name is. But I liked that because, yes, otherwise, the you have to have, um, what do you call it when you're reading a book and you have to, 
like put aside your suspend reality. Yeah, you have to suspend disbelief. Yeah. Right? And so there's the suspension of disbelief that these people would be gathered and name these ridiculous yeah. things. Yeah, everybody would be white, green, you know, peacock. Yeah. yeah that's ridiculous. I kinda like that. But and, as pseudonyms it makes sense. Yes. So prof- oh, we didn't mention either that Professor Plum is Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd, Who we yeah. talked about before is phenomenal actor. Yeah, from Back to the Future and all that, which we're going to watch soon. Um, so, yeah, we have all of these these people, and they arrive one by one. Colonel Mustard, Mrs. White, Mrs. Peacock, Mr. Green, Professor Plum, and Miss Scarlet. Then, they're all seated around the table. They're looking at each other suspiciously. Why have we all been gathered here? Yeah. What do we have in common? They start to make connections. A few of them kind of recognize others. Yes. They don't say their names, but they kind of think they know who and, they are. And they'll say, is. like, well, I'm from Washington, too, so I know who your husband is. Right. And they don't, and then, you know, they're getting very nervous. And there's a seat at the head of the table that's empty. And that is for Mr. Body, which is spelled B-O-D-D-Y. Right. But we're never told that. Right. So. But he shows up as Mr. Body, which of course we all know because we everyone's played the game. He's gonna be he's dying first. Right. Because he's the guy who's dead. And it's interesting too, because you know he's gonna die, but you don't know that other people will die too. Right. So I think that's kind of cool. And they introduce the fact that he's blackmailing everyone, which again now right. gives it motive. Right. And then they reveal the blackmail. Yes. So it kind of comes out bit by bit. Now Miss Scarlet is running a brothel. She's mm-hmm. a madam. And hers is interesting because she's kind of like, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, she's not She's not so hiding So you're it. kind of like, how is she being blackmailed if she really doesn't seem to care? All right, Heidi Fleiss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Heidi Fleiss is so sad, honestly, though. She just like has a bunch of birds and lives by herself. I know. It's messed up. Anyway. Um, but she was a very famous madam, if you don't know who that is. At any rate, Mr. Mrs. Peacock is the wife of a senator, right? And at first we think that it's something to do, at first we think it's something to do with communism. That maybe she knows secrets, that she's been spilling secrets. Right. But then it comes out that she's been taking bribes. Who was it? Oh, so then we also meet Mrs. White, who we find out is suspected in the death of her husband. Um, also, it comes out that she's been, she's kind of like a, uh, you know, she's... A black widow. She's like a black widow, yeah. yeah. She's killed, no, she's been connected to a number of husbands who've died suspiciously. Yes. Right? But her last husband was a nuclear physicist. Yes. So there's also, again, like this thing in the background of like... Maybe there's also the senator knew something. Maybe he was somehow connected to the nuclear physicist because it's 1954. It's a little interesting because in the game, it's just this is who you are, who killed somebody. Yeah. Here it's like this is why everybody would be. This is why everyone would be in the house and have a reason to kill somebody. And and it was more interesting, right? Yes. And so we then have Professor Plum, and he lost. His medical license because he slept with a patient. Yes. But again, he did some work with this nuclear physicist yeah. stuff. He's a, psycho- and like, he's he's a, a psychiatrist. psychiatrist, but he works for the government somehow. Yes. And then we have the brothel going on in, in Washington, D.C., which we mentioned. 
And then Colonel Mustard, who might be one of her clients, right? might not, is a war profiteer. Yeah, he made connections in the war and then utilized those connections to kind of like, you know, sell weapons, sell plant, things like that. And the war that they're talking about is World War II. So the yes. implication is that... Because this is 54, right? Right. So the implication is that he basically sold planes to the Nazis. Right. Like, that's the implication. Or maybe Japan. Well, what I got from it was that he was a war profiteer now, meaning he mm. made connections in the military, and gotcha. now, it's, now it's pushing almost, like, the Korean War, and right. he's selling so weapons. He's selling, yeah. Yeah. And then Mr. Green, who is not one of Miss Scarlet's clients. He is not. It, it's, it's, again, it's tongue-in-cheeked, but yeah. it's kind of come out that he's homosexual, and that he, he also works for the government. In some right. way. He's a government worker. And he knows Mrs. Peacock's husband. The right. Senator. The senator. So basically it would cost him his job. Because even when the movie was made in 84, it could still cost you your job at that point. Yeah, but it definitely, but definitely in 54. Definitely in 54. Um, so Wadsworth basically um, says that... He, he wants, he, he's kind of setting this up for them to kill Mr. Body. Mm-hmm. But Mr. Body then uh, says, okay, Wadsworth notified the police. They're going to be here in 45 minutes, I guess, because of where this place is located and the fact that they, did they have 911 in 54? I don't think they did. So he gives each one of them a weapon and says, I'm going to turn off the lights. You kill Wadsworth and I will, then nobody will know. Right. Well, I'll keep blackmailing you. You'll be paying me. But nobody else outside this room will ever know. Nobody will be arrested. Nobody will find out. I'll cover everything up. Right? So, Miss Scarlet gets a candlestick. Mrs. Peacock gets a knife. Mr. Green gets the lead pipe. Professor Plum gets the gun. Mrs. White White gets a rope. And Colonel Mustard gets a wrench. Right? Yep. Then, the lights are turned back off. There's a gunshot and a scream and moaning. And then the lights are turned back on and Mr. Body is dead. Yes, Mr. Body's dead, which we knew was coming, but now it's now it kind of it, it implement it kind of initiates the action. Right. And now we know too that all of these people have motive, but now it is a question of who who did it and which weapon was used. Yes. Right? Because some of them put the weapons down. Some of them said they that somebody took it away from them. So it, it doesn't necessarily have to be like Colonel Mustard with the wrench. Right. Right? Um, so then... It's, it's interesting because this is also where it starts to s- switch a bit from the game. Because in the game, the thing that keeps the action moving is obviously you want to win the game. Mm-hmm. Right? Here in the movie, that's not obviously can't be a goal. So the thing that keeps the action moving is the fact that the police are supposed to show up on a time limit, and also other people start to die as well. Yeah. So it's like there's still a murderer. Like we need to like figure out who it is. And also that they say the police will be here in 45 minutes, which, if I'm not mistaken, if you didn't have three endings, would be the time. The runtime almost. The runtime, yeah. So. The um the group says, well, who wasn't here with us? And they're like, the cook. So they all run to the kitchen. But the cook is dead. Yeah, the cook is dead now. Then they go back 
and Mr. Body, his body's out there. Right. Now, Professor Plum had checked his pulse and said he was dead. Professor Plum's also a crappy doctor who sleeps with his patients. Yes. So he might not be lying. He might just be a horrible doctor, right? So then they find Mr. Body's body a second time, this time bleeding, and he's been struck on the head with the candlestick. Yes. So we know at least one, possibly one of the murder weapons. Yeah, either he was shot or he was struck on the head with a candlestick. Or I guess the wrench. Because it also right. right. So Wadsworth takes the weapons and locks them in a cupboard. He's going to throw the key out the front door because he's the only one who has the key, right? And he is the one who's kind of locked them in here. And he's like, We have to wait for the police. Now they keep walking around, and Steve, this is my point with these types of movies. I would be like, all right. We are going to sit here in a circle holding hands until the police come. Because somebody did these murders and I'm not getting killed. Right? That's the only way that you can do it. But they don't do that. They are like, let's split up and find out what's going on. That would be a sucky movie if you just watched them sit in a circle for 45 minutes. So the motorist, there's a stranded motorist who's like, I need to use your phone. Yeah. Well, as you were saying, Wadsworth... Go, he opens up the door to throw the key out so no one can get the weapons, and there's someone standing in the doorway. And it's this motorist who's been stranded. And it's actually funny because the whole cast is basically, like, behind him. Yeah. Right? And so that that little gag I kind of did like. Um, so they look, and they're talking to the motorist, and he needs to use the phone. So then they show him on the phone without everybody else there. And he's like, yeah. It's, I've been stranded and there's this crazy party and you'll never guess who's here. It's my boss. And before he can say the name, he gets struck on the head with a wrench. Yep. Then, there's a secret passage. Which is cool because that's in the game too. Yeah. Right? And Colonel Mustard and Miss Scarlet are locked in the lounge with the motorist corpse. And then Yvette shoots the door open with a revolver. Which should have been locked in the cupboard along with the wrench. Yes. So they're not. So that's another clue. Ah, I see ah. what you did there. And then who comes after that? The cop. The cop comes. The, and it's not the cops they're waiting on. It's a police officer who sees the stranded car. Yes. And stops. This also um, is an African-American police officer and it's 1954. Right. Coming into a wealthy white home full of, full of rich, and then he gets killed. crazy people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. At least he's not the first one to get killed. No, but it's it's my point is that it's still it's just it's during segregation. So yeah. the, the fact that the, the idea that this would happen, but um, they get a call from J. Edgar Hoover as well. And Wadsworth takes the call from J. Edgar Hoover. So then you're like, who exactly is this person? Right? Who is Wadsworth? But the police officer is distracted and he's sent to take the phone call in the other room where the dead bodies are not. Right. Right? And The lights come off, and there's a singing telegram girl, and somebody opens the door and is like, nope, it just shoots her straight off. Yeah. Which did make me laugh so much. 
much. Because a lot of times in 1980s movies, they would have like a singing, like a scene with like a song or something in it. So it's like subverting expectations, right? Then uh, the electricity comes back on. Wadsworth says he knows who the murderer is. There's all these other victims. And he's like, they were his, Mr. Body's informants. So the, the, the cop, the motorist, the cook, and also Yvette has died. And also the singing telegram, the singing telegram girl. The singing telegram girl was the girl Professor Plum had slept with. Yes. And she's, she told Mr. Body, which is how he knew to blackmail him. Yvette was one of Miss Scarlet's prostitutes call girls yep. escorts yeah and she was having an affair with mrs white's husband yep the, the cook, cook i think worked for mrs peacock yes and and he mentions that he knew that because mrs peacock says this is my favorite soup right and it's a specialty that only that yeah. cook makes so basically in some way all of the people who showed up later were yeah. connected. The motorist was connected to Colonel Mustard. He was a driver. And yes. so he knows what connections he made. Um, all of that kind of thing. So, yeah. So all of these people had connections. So then you start thinking, was it like a murder on the Orient Express where everybody did something? Right? Um, and then we have the endings. So how it may have happened, part one. The A. The A ending. The A ending, yep. Yvette murdered the cook with the knife and Mr. Body with the candlestick because Miss Scarlet, who was her employer, ordered her to, to stop the bribery, right? Then Miss Scarlet kills Yvette and all the other people. And so then she pulls out this little, like, tiny... This very tiny gun, and she's like, "Yeah, of course I did it." Blah blah blah. Um, and then the this evangelist who had come to the door is um, the guy from WKRP in Cincinnati. Yep. Right. And he is revealed to be the police chief, who's just been outside while all these people have been being murdered. <laughs> <laughs> and so they they basically get miss scarlet she tries to shoot uh, somebody and and uh, mrs colonel mustard but she's the one who did it basically then you have the b version which is that mrs peacock killed everybody yes to to cover up the fact that she was taking bribes from foreign powers because her husband had been a senator right um so she's basically during just about the time of McCarthyism. Yes. She's been taking yeah. all these bribes. Which would have obviously give her a, a big motive. So she holds everybody at gunpoint until they let her leave. She turns around, goes outside, and of course there's the police chief again, who's yes. been pretending to be an evangelist. Yeah. And the police all get come out and they arrest her. And then um, it kind of ends with Wadsworth asking if anybody wants dessert. <laughs> which is, Which is funny. Yeah. But, so here's the thing, and then we have what really happened. But before we get to that, what here's what annoys me about this is that this movie is only 97 minutes. Right. As you mentioned with the reception, and as we were talking about here, it's a little thin on plot. You can see how fast we're talking about this movie in comparison to like the last movie we yes. covered, right? 
And my issue is that it's thin on plot because this end scene goes on forever. Yes. And even if there were only one of them, it's Tim Curry running from room to room to room recapping what happened. Okay? And it is supposed to be a funny version of like... Uh, like a Hercule Pearl where he does yeah. get everybody in a room and tells them how it, It's how a denouement, did. but it's a denouement on speed. It, but it's on speed, but it, go, it goes forever. It yeah. goes forever. Um, so, at any rate, what happened is that Professor Plum tried to kill Mr. Body with the revolver, missed, and later killed him in the hall with a candlestick. Mrs. Peacock stabbed the cook with the knife in the kitchen, Colonel Mustard bludgeoned the motorist with a wrench in the lounge. Mrs. White uh, strangled Yvette with the rope in the billiards room because of the affair, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, she did kill her husband. Yeah. And that's where we get the the, the, uh, the thing you were talking about. Right? Yeah. The, well, the fire, yeah, the fire rage was why she killed Yvette. Yes. Yeah. Mrs. Miss Scarlet clubbed the cop in the library with the lead pipe because he was... Um, part of the bribery scheme that she was a part of. Mr. Green was suspected in shooting the telegram girl, but he didn't do it. Um, the revolver is missing, and it turns out that it was Professor Plum who shot her, and he... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Wadsworth takes the revolver from Professor Plum and says that he shot her, and he's the real Mr. Body, right? Um he, Mr. Body, was the butler. Yes. So he will continue to blackmail the guests, and then Mr. Green draws another revolver and kills Wadworth and reveals that he's an FBI agent. The call from J. Edgar Hoover was for him, and then he's going to go home and sleep with his wife. Yeah, he opens the front door, and all the FBI and police pour yeah. in. And arrest everyone. Yeah. Because they've Basically, all killed people. They've all killed it, is, it is sort of a murder and the yeah. express situation. Yeah. Um, but it's just, in some ways, it's kooky and crazy, and there are some jokes here and there. I do wonder. I don't know. I mean, could you have done this just as a straight mystery? I don't know. I don't know if that would have worked. But I do think that. If you're going to have that kind of an ending, shorten it up because it is like a chase scene. He's running from room to room over and over and over. Um, and maybe have a little more in the middle to develop the characters a bit. Yeah. You know, It's hard because there's so many and you can't get away from that because the game. But you even could have killed... I mean, they could have killed off say two of them and then you have fewer people to kind of focus on right you know so anyway what was the reception well so the movie clue grossed 14.6 million dollars okay which is not great it's not terrible yeah it's um, it cost 15 million <laughs> okay so it was just under hitting cost which yes. and as we've talked before really to make money you have to do triple what you cost yeah right because of or marketing and everything else yeah. right so the film received mixed reviews. That's not surprising. Um, and, and, and mixed, I think, is generous. Okay. Um, Janet Mazin of the New York Times said that uh, the only part of the film that's remotely engaging is the beginning. After that, it begins to drag. Right. Gene Siskel 
of Siskel and Ebert in the Chicago Times uh-huh. gave the film two and a half out of four stars. Okay. And he said Clue offers a few big laughs early on, followed by a lot of characters running around on a treadmill to nowhere. Yeah. I kind of agree with him. Siskel particularly criticized the decision to release the film to theaters with three separate endings, oh, yeah. calling this a gimmick. And he didn't like gimmicks. I, I don't hate the gimmick, actually. But I, I agree with him about the treadmill. Yeah. yeah. And he actually said, Clue is a movie that needs three different middles rather than three different endings. That's a, <laughs> that's a fact. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, his, his partner, Roger Ebert, gave the film two out of four stars. Okay. And said that it was had a promising cast, but the screenplay is so very, very thin that the actors spend most of their time looking frustrated as if they'd just been cut off right before they were about to say something interesting. Because that's the thing. I think that if you have this cast, let them all ad lib. Because the plot's so thin, you're you're muffling a great cast. But imagine if this had been done by Christopher Guest and his group. Like the group that does Best in Show and Spinal Tap and like Mm -hmm. Mighty Wind. If you had them and you were just like, here's your character, go. Yeah. I think that you, and and with this cast, every person that we talked about, Christopher Lloyd, Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, they are, uh, Leslie Ann Warren, they're all amazing. They're all amazing. Martin Mull, they're all funny. Yeah. But but there's there's not enough room for them to be funny. So I agree with him. Both Siskel and Ebert agreed that the A ending was the best, Mm. while the C ending was the worst. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um... And then this is where it gets a little bit of a weird... Like, most of those are all bad. Right? Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes reports it as a 68%, which is better than... I mean, it's better than it's half. Certified fresh. Right? Um, it, you know, the the film has positive reviews based on 34 reviews. Um, and the, the, the critics' consensus reads, a robust ensemble of game actors elevated this above its writing. Okay. So that's kind of where it was at. So that's what the critics thought. So what did we think? I thought, oh boy. I mean, this is a tough one because you have to fight nostalgia, right? I, I like Clue, the game. I like the memories of the movie. But when I watched this, it, I have to agree with some of the critics. Like, it was a little thin, and I, 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 would, have ex- I would expect more out of the cast. Yeah. With the amount of with the with the star power the cast had, especially all being or most of them all having comedic backgrounds, they were not allowed to be as funny as they could have been. And so because of that, I'm gonna give it at the same time I didn't hate it, right? So it is a minute mystery which I like. I'm but I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a six. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was gonna go I was gonna go with a four. Okay. Um, I don't love it. I'm not gonna watch it again. I think it has some funny moments. I think that this movie would do. <laughs> this movie would do well if you took little quips from it and put them on TikTok. Yeah. Right. Or like. Or like Facebook. Whatever the the little reels or whatever. Yeah. It, because it's done those with, with the little bits, but not the whole. Because thing. the little bits are actually funny, and if you cut it down to a half hour of those little bits, it's yeah. a great movie. Well, the thing is, though, too, is those little bits are usually the actor. I. That's it's the what delivery, I'm saying. and it's the way that the actor is. Yeah. Doing, so. Know. Um. So yes, 
that's my that's my rating. And I, I, I can't say anything more than what you said about Gene Siskel because I totally agree with every single thing he said there. Yeah. I don't always agree with him, but I do on this one. Yeah. 100%. So. So. Yeah. Five. five I- <laughs> I'm laughing at the fact that we picked clues. I know. We do one out of five for the snack, one out of ten for the movie, and this is... Five, five clues, clues out, out of, of ten. ten. <laughs> so clues. it's a middle. Five clues out of ten for clue. So five stupid. clues out of ten clues for clue. <laughs> you chose it. I just went I with didn't, it. I didn't really make a choice there as much as a, a, a willful decision. So our fourth week, um, we have done our cartoon. Yep. which was Chippendale Rescue Rangers. We did our show, which was Columbo. We did our bonus. And then we did Clue, which was our movie. Yes. And our fourth week now is being chosen by our listeners. Yep. And we're going to do one more month where it's on everything, and then later on it'll just be on Patreon. Yeah. So this month it was, we picked superhero films. Yes. Or TV shows, I'm sorry. Superhero TV shows of 70s, 80s, 90s. Yes. And we had... A really close race. It was Wonder Woman, My Secret Identity, which nobody voted for, <laughs> Lois and Clark, and the Hulk. Yes. And our winner was the Incredible Hulk. But not by very many votes, right. I have to say. And I feel bad for uh, Alicia uh, Zimmerman. Sorry, shout out to Alicia, because she really, Really wanted Lois and Clark because she had a major celebrity crush on Dean Kane. She said okay. he's a super cutie. We should definitely do that. Um, and we forgot. Also, we we're going to add Captain Planet to the list. And we forgot. Yeah. Well, did she happen to have a celebrity cl- crush on Lou Ferrigno or Bill Bixby? I don't think so. Because we can still help with that. I think that she might be a little young for that. So, season one of The Hulk is not available anywhere that I can find. Okay. I don't know so why. So, we got to jump in. So, we got to jump in. So we are going to do my episode that I picked is season two, episode six, Alice in Disco Land. Okay. David helps a teenage disco queen with a drinking problem. I like that. Okay. I picked it just because it's Alice in Disco Land and yep. I find that title hilarious. So that means I now have to pick, which leads me into so, my most dreaded segment. Everybody loves this segment. It's my favorite, and it's other people's favorite as well. And that is... What is Steve willing to watch? Steve, I'm going to read... Do you want just the titles, or do you want a little bit of... No, just give me a title. I want to be shocked and awed. All right, well, season four, episode three, is Deep Shock. Okay. Episode four, Bring Me the Head of the Hulk. Mm Mm-hmm. Episode 5, Fast Lane. Episode 6, King of the Beach. Or Episode 7, Wax Museum. I gotta go with Wax Museum. Alright. David takes a job as an assistant to a Wax Museum's owner. That's it. That's all we get. I'm gonna make a prediction right now that at one point in that show, someone's gonna mistake the Hulk for a wax figure. (laughs) We're going to see, because we haven't watched it yet. We have not. I was going to make a prediction that somebody would be murdered like House of Wax with Vincent Price. Wow, you got dark. A movie I was allowed to see as a kid. Or the remake of House of Wax with Paris Hilton. 
Oh, I don't know anything <laughs> about that. <laughs> I just know the Vincent Price version. So that's what's coming up. Mm-hmm. And um, our bonus for March we already talked about is going to be Weekend at Bernie's. And um, support us on Patreon. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We have seen a huge jump in our listeners, but not as many people um, subscribing, but the same people listening every week. Like it right. shows you sometimes usernames. Yeah. So don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review. It really does help us to get seen and we appreciate it. That's it. Thanks everybody. Have Until a- next time. Bye. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.